0: Good afternoon, guys. We are excited to, to welcome an artist, a Super Bowl champion, um, an author, um, but, but more importantly, a husband and a father, and then most importantly, a child of the one true king um, to the podcast today, Clint Gresham, um, former long snapper for the Seattle Seahawks, and like I said, author um, and Super Bowl champion. So Clint, would love for you to just share a little bit about your story and, and what you got going on now and uh, just uh, some background for our listeners.
1: Yeah, Colton, thanks for having me on. I, uh, I had a coach in high school who was a part of FCA who was one of those guys that just, he just kept showing up and consistently made deposits when I was a knucklehead and was pretending like I wasn't listening, but I actually was and I have such a heart for FCA and uh, I love what you're doing in all of the schools that you're ministering at because I really believe that sports is such an unbelievable vehicle to introduce people to Jesus and that was part of my story and i feel like those two things um can really run in tandem a lot uh because sports are so um they can be a drug in a lot of ways in the sense that it gives us this sense of esteem it gives us a sense of worth uh, it gives us identity Um, I talk in in my book about how we have these default identities, basically the thing that gives us the greatest sense of significance. Um, We have a tendency to put too much of our worth in whatever that is. And for me, um, even though I had a relationship with Jesus and I was leading people to the Lord, I was leading Bible studies, I think that it is inevitable that Um, whatever it is that we're putting our hand to is going to begin to um, create sort of this facade of identity and we will inevitably put some of our sense of worth into that Um, and it makes a lot of sense because when you have an athlete who for since they were five years old they've always been really really good at this one thing I see it all of the time in professional sports where it's like for 20 years, it's like, this is what you did. I could tell you where I'm going to be down to the very minute in an entire year, everything is structured for me. And then whenever your sport is over, all of a sudden, man, you're kind of left uh, in sinking sand in a sense, because your thing that gave you that sense of esteem is now gone. And now you have to go try and find something else. And, um, I played six years with the Seattle Seahawks and I always tell people it was six years longer than I thought (laughs) I'd walk in and be like, man, all right, I tricked these guys for another day. Let's do it again. (laughs) And, um, so I get released in 2016. Uh, it was one year into my three year contract that I had signed the previous year. Uh, it was a little bit unexpected. Um, that season i really really started to struggle um just with kind of the weight of uh the pressure of the job and for people who don't say that uh, or say that professional sports isn't pressure they're lying <laughs> um because it, it's intense and you feel the weight of that and so i get released and i think that oh my gosh okay like this thing is over and um I feel fortunate because I feel like I was forced into a bit of an identity crisis 30 years before my peers were like, you know, I've got buddies who are climbing the ladder right now and man, when they turn 65, man, that's going to be even harder. And so I think for athletes, it's, it's actually an advantage because it helps you, put into perspective anything that you do to try and get like a sense of worth or esteem. And we all want to be proud of our work. We all want to do things that are meaningful and impactful and be able to provide for our family and for our communities. We truly do find our life when we give it away. Um, And so it kind of forced me into this reckoning that even though I knew, man, like God loves me, he's for me, whatever I do, he's going to be with me. But now it's like, but I feel like this thing was the thing that made me matter. And I always struggled with low self-esteem growing up. And honestly, it was why I gravitated towards sports because I was good at it. And it was an easy way for me to get an attaboy. And I always share the story, you know, after we won the Super Bowl. And I've actually got my, my Lombardi right here. It's kind of sweet. That was a great year. It was a good year. Excellent year. Um, after we won that, we were having our exit meetings and it was such a surreal experience. And, uh, you know, then we go into the off season and for like six months, everybody keeps saying to each other, I keep waiting for it to sink in that we won the Super Bowl." And it wasn't until a couple of years later that I realized that that's not really what we meant by that. What we really meant was I keep waiting for this thing to make me happy the way that I thought it would. and. It hasn't, and now I'm actually really scared because I have, in a sense, burned my ships. Like this has been my sole pursuit for my entire life. And now I have to figure out, okay, what am I gonna actually do that's gonna fill this spot? And we were never designed to, to live in that way. Like God was the one who created us so that he could be that peace inside of our heart to make us feel a sense of wholeness. And so I get released. And then right after that, I immediately go into writing my book, Becoming, which I will say I wrote a year before Michelle Obama wrote her copy of Becoming.
0: That's so funny. I was waiting for, I was going to see, because as you search for it, I mean, she automatically comes up for, I was like, man, I wonder who stole the, uh, who had the title first. Glad to know. Sheldon. She had it first. So she stole <laughs> it from you.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, uh. It's actually kind of funny, if people go to my my Instagram, my wife is really good at Photoshop and she Photoshopped my ugly mug onto her book cover, which is her face going like this. That is awesome. And so if you want to have some nightmares, show that to somebody. That's um, but I chose the word becoming because that word is an adjective and it's a verb. We're all becoming something, but to be becoming is to be attractive. And so what does it look like to like who you are when you haven't become the person that you feel like you're supposed to be. Sort of this aspirational pursuit of being content in the moment and liking who you are, despite you continuing to do things that make you not like yourself. Realizing that God knew what he was getting into whenever he pursued you, there's nothing that's a surprise to him, and there's no such thing as failure when we really do love to learn. So, I write this book, and and honestly, like that was therapy for me. Mm. Um, I really believe that if you survive childhood, you have a book in you. <laughs> like, and it, it, it was just this therapeutic, cathartic experience where I kind of processed some some pretty heavy stuff. And um, I think the greatest compliment that I've gotten from people about the book is feeling like they heard their voice in it. Mm. And because it's all of our stories, all of us are in a process. And so what does it look like to engage that process, knowing that who we really want to be is on the other side of the most challenging thing that we don't want to address. So I traveled a bunch for that. Um, I got to go all over the world. Um, I got to have a couple of engagements in Austria, which was super cool and up in Canada and all over the United States. And, um, and that was a really exciting season. And inevitably, I mean, this is how it works with books is it's it's kind of like this 18 month cycle. And um, as that started to slow, I started to find myself back into that same place of, okay, well, football didn't work. Speaking didn't work. Writing a book didn't work. They were all fun. And I enjoyed that experience. But there's still part of me that, man, I'm having to continue to be reminded that whatever I do is not the thing that defines me. It's not the thing that makes me feel important. Even though other people may think that I'm important because I did this. Like if I go speak somewhere, I've got this slide that, um, my graphic designer created and it's got like some of my accomplishments on there and it's like Super Bowl champ or, yeah, Super Bowl champion, um, 2010 Seahawks All-Decade Team, international speaker, best-selling author, married a super hot wife, and yes, she is. You should follow her on Instagram. She's so funny. Maddie Gresham is my wife. Um, and like I read that sometimes, and I'm like, yeah, like that's awesome, and it makes people listen to what I have to say. But that really isn't the thing that made me feel like, okay, I'm good. You know. And at the end of the day, all of us are in this process where we have to choose to do the more difficult right when it comes to our spirituality and our sense of esteem, which is figuring out who God says that we are and actually spending time with him so that we see ourselves as God sees us. So that when somebody else comes and says something to us that is opposite or contrary to that, it's like, well, that doesn't really bother me because the God who created breakfast burritos thinks I'm great. So I'm cool. (laughs) I'm not worried about you. And I think it can be even more challenging when it comes for believers, because part of our issue is like, we want to lead people to Christ. Mm -hmm. We want to introduce people to Jesus, which means that we also have to get people to kind of like us. Like if somebody that you're trying to lead to Christ doesn't like you, then you're not going to do a good job. And so that's a very weird tension that I don't even think I picked up on until a few years ago. Like, oh, yeah, like sort of woven into this is this this secondary battle of am I living to please people? But I'm saying that it's because I want people to know God and having to sort of live in that tension is very, very challenging. But I mean, much like everything in our lives Awareness is the beginning of change. And so the more that we can be aware of those things and where do we get our sense of worth? Is it from people or is it from who God says that we are? um, Then we won't get blown apart when things come against us that are challenging. And um, yeah, I've also found that in my life that most of the time I am in one ditch or the other. And man, it really does feel like a narrow road. And that's actually the point. Like when you're in the ditch, like God's in the ditch with you. So it's okay. It's not one of those things that'd be like, dang it. Like I'm living to please people again. Yeah. It's like, well, God knew what he was getting into. So just get back on with what you were doing and continue to pursue him. Um, So That's sort of where where I've been going and what um, has been on my heart these last few years is just kind of this, where is your sense of worth coming from? Make sure that it's not in something that can be taken away because if it is, and Jesus said this, it's like he said in in Matthew something to dig down and build your foundation on the rock so that when the storm comes, it's not going to be swept away. And that's what it means. That's doing the more difficult right. That's doing the deep work of, okay, I'm solid. Like my resources are within me. I don't need anything external because God comes and he lives inside of my heart. Therefore, I have everything that I need already inside of me. And I think that that can also be one of these things that is a challenge where like for example i uh i really have struggled with social anxiety like throughout my life which um people kind of don't really agree with me on that sometimes because like i got voted class clown when i was in high school too but like i can definitely find myself sort of in my head sometimes um and so when i was in high school and in college that led to okay, I'm going to go have a drink or I'm going to do this. I'm going to do something to change my state of mind to make me feel a little more at rest. And obviously, like that kind of pattern, it, o- it only gets worse Like when we try to manage those emotions. And so having to come back to, I have this inner resource, the Holy Spirit who lives inside of me, who he promises that he's going to give me strength And so I don't have to turn to external things. And it's one of those things that is kind of this constant and feels like an itch that like, don't scratch it, you know, like just stop. It'll, it'll go away. But sometimes it takes a very, very long time because we've trained ourselves to rely on these external things to make us feel strong or confident or funny or whatever it is. Um, So well, I that, feel like I'm just rambling. What do you guys have?
0: No, you're, this is great. And it leads into, you know, talking about that is, is I see an athletes now more than, and, and maybe it's just more than ever because it's becoming more prevalent, but athletes tend to be, and we can allude to this overachievers. Like if I can strive to be the best at something, I'm good at this. I want to continue. And we see the progress and we see the the praise and the, the progress. Um, there seems to be just an increase in, anxiety and depression amongst athletes, especially now. And um, I would love for you to just kind of talk a little bit more about how you've struggled with that or overcome it and, and things that have that have helped you along the way. Someone that's put their identity, you know, you can, you know, football player, NFL, you know, guy, author, um, all these things. And yet your identity comes back to, to being a child of God. Um, and yeah. It's, it's easy to prescribe that, but then to use it and to allow it to help just kind of how that's you.
1: Um, that's a great question. I really, really struggled, um, sort of early on in my, um, rededication in my walk with God. That was like 2009, 2010. Um, I really, that really was when things sort of shifted for me. Um, I did not understand mental health at all. I thought everything was the devil. It's like, oh man, I'm feeling depressed today It's the devil man, I lost my keys. devil I got a speeding ticket because I'm going thirty over the limit in a school zone. man, the devil's out to get me <laughs> you know like and I, I didn't it took some time to really understand the brain and um, especially the brain of of athletes where man, there is such a Um, a layer of approval seeking that's in that because you have this coach who, and, and like, I've been there where it's like, man, I've been trying to get this coach to give me an attaboy forever. And I finally got it. And it's like, Oh, this feels like the greatest drug in the world. And um, for somebody who struggled with low self-esteem, like always like waiting for the next bump of approval, um, that made me feel like I was going crazy and it made me feel depressed and it wasn't just like coaches, like it was just the stress of the job. And, um, once I started to understand like, um, how it really is like a physical thing. Mm. Yes. Sometimes like there is demonic oppression, like there are uh, powers and principalities that can influence us and we can certainly open ourselves up to those kinds of things um but there's also just a very practical side to it like for example our entire team we'd had a uh, like uh like entrance physicals and everything before our training camp every year our entire team was vitamin d deficient so like when you're vitamin d deficient you feel depressed mm. like that doesn't have anything to do with spirituality like <laughs> take a vitamin d supplement from gmc and like you're going to be good yeah And so like, because I thought that, oh man, I'm feeling down or I'm feeling anxious. Like I would hear verses like be anxious for nothing, but in everything. uh, And I blanked on the rest of the verse because I need to be reading that verse more, I guess. (laughs) Um, But in everything, make your prayers be known to the Lord. uh, That really piled on a lot of of shame for me and made me feel like, I'm just not doing enough of the like spiritual tricks. Like maybe I should fast more. Maybe I should read my Bible more. Maybe I should pray more. I don't think I've told enough people about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And it became this entire other area of performance for me that was like even harder to put a finger on because I felt like the only remedy to um, that striving spiritually was more spiritual activity. And it made me feel depressed. It made me feel anxious. It made me feel out of control. And um, and then on top of that, I, it made me feel ashamed. Like if I was just a little stronger, like this wouldn't feel so good. And like, man, like I ended up getting fired. Did I ruin God's best plan for my life? Like, have I now yielded to, you know, third place or fourth place because now I'm not, you know, on Super Bowl teams and stuff, but now I'm just like, I'm a former athlete and it's a very peculiar place to be in where it's like, um, we never trade for less. That's the truth. The Bible says we go from glory to glory. Um, but the enemy will come and he will make these just little suggestions and it feels like you're thinking it. Mm -hmm. Um, and it feels like it comes with a whole lot of truth to it Mm -hmm. it's like when satan tempted jesus he tempted him with bible verses and so it's gonna feel very alluring and very like oh yeah like that kind of makes sense you would have more influence if you were still playing professional football you kind of screwed this thing up Mm -hmm. and and like that can get into our mind it can and mess us up and so I would say for anybody who's struggling with depression or uh, addiction or anxiety, um, insomnia, I mean, sort of all of these mental things that are going on, it's not always spiritual. And there's a whole lot of practical things that we need to do. I mean, just being with people, being outside, exercising. I mean, when you do sort of these practical things and, and recognize that part of this is a product of the way that our world is now, like here we are talking on a zoom call and everybody is isolated you know like we were already the most isolated we have ever been in human history (laughs) then quarantine happens don't talk to anybody don't be around anybody don't touch anybody like i this guy shook my hand the other day and i was like oh my god i like I feel like I just rubbed my hand in dog poop. Like somebody come cut this hand off, you know, like, and how sad is that? You know, like that's, that's not how we're supposed to live. So I hope we end up going back to shaking hands, but all that to say, our environment is very, very important. And the people that we surround ourselves with is very, very important. And so if you do struggle with depression or addiction or anxiety, uh, you're not bad. And, Specifically with people who are struggling with addictions, whether it's alcohol, drugs, pornography, food, money, whatever it is, um, there is this drive inside of us to try to get like just a sense of relief. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is like we become very, very good at finding the path of least resistance to get our needs met. And so you're not bad for doing that. It's like you're you're hurting. All that is is a is a symptom and so of course like god doesn't want us going to those things but he's also understanding because it says in the bible that jesus was tempted in all of the ways that we were and he was tempted so that we can actually not feel shame whenever we follow through with those things yeah. and that isn't to give us a license but it does help knowing that god isn't like dang it you did it again sure. And I, um, I, I, I talked with this counselor a couple of years ago and, um, she was a lady who was just helping me work through some stuff. And I had told her, I was like, I'm having such a hard time. I feel so depressed. And last night I got like blackout drunk Mm -hmm. and I loved God. And she was the first person in my life who didn't shame me for it. And her response was, she was like, well, of course you did, Clint. Like, you were in so much pain right now. It makes so much sense that you would go and do that. And I'm so sorry. Like, you don't have to feel ashamed about that. And she said, and she wasn't even a believer. And she said that, and I'm like, I almost feel uncomfortable with this. Like, this level of kindness and grace. Like, here I am exposing something that I feel so ashamed of. And she's like, oh, my gosh. Like, she, like, pulls me closer. And that's what God does. And so when you find yourself in these patterns of looking to things that are external, instead of this internal resource that we have of the Holy spirit inside of us, like God is just lovingly like, I know, like, I'm so sorry. Like, I I understand why you did that. Like, come on back and let me love on you. Let me get you around my people, because that's where so much healing happens and God is just so like, he's so much more macro than than we are. We're very like day by day and God's like, okay, I wanna see, are you trending in the right direction over the course of like a hundred years? If so, great, it's gonna be okay. God is far more patient with us than we are with ourselves. And I think that's like the biggest switch that I need to make in my mind is, like I can be so hard on myself and that ends up manifesting with my relationship with other people.
0: Mm.
1: Because I think that God is that hard on me. And so the more that I can be with him and understand grace and extend that to myself, the less attractive something external feels.
0: For sure. I think, you know, reading through your book and and what you were talking about there, you know, as athletes and coaches are these high achievers and there's always something more that we can do, right? There's always, you can do an extra rep. You can go, you know, get some more time in the gym, watch more film, whatever it is. And so I think, you know, that feeling of I need to fix something that's that's wrong with me because I feel this way. Or when I look in the mirror, I see this person. Yeah. I need to do more spiritual stuff. I need to spend more time fasting or in prayer. Or in the, and I think
1: it's one of it's the crazy hardest, making,
0: right? Yeah. And it one really of the hard,
1: is crazy making,
0: one of the hardest things for, you know, athletes and people that are high achievers is the idea. And and you alluded to it in, in, in what you just talked about. And throughout your book is becoming less of who we think we should be and becoming more of who God's called us to be and surrendering that surrender is like this dirty word in sports, but we have to surrender to God's will. But that can be so hard at times for, for people, for, you know, the character traits of I'm just going to work harder and get this done, but surrendering to what God wants and to his will and surrendering to the spirit that lives inside of us. Um, that can be a hard, a hard thing. So, um, yeah, for sure. Um,
1: yeah, that idea of, you know, the one more rep, there's always something more that I can do. Um, it's very, very hard to like take that cap and put it off mm. and then just be with God because, if that's the hat that we're wearing when we're with God, then God's not God, your God, because his moving is dependent on what you're doing instead of his goodness. And that's very, very challenging. I Like I literally currently am having a hard time like wrestling with that idea that, um, man, God's for me and I am going to follow him. Um, he's also like, you know, if I start to get into this place of like, oh God, like I, I fasted for four days, so you should sort of, you should sort of do something for me. <laughs> like, like we just, and, and like, we're all going to find ourselves in that. And I, and, and like, that's okay. God's not like you little jerk, like you snot, like, how dare you? I'm God. Like God smiles at that, but um we're the ones tormenting ourselves with that type of mindset and so like there is this i'm going to do everything that i can but i'm not going to keep looking once i get to that point of i feel like i have done what i'm supposed to do Mm -hmm. and that's the tricky part is like if there's always something more that you can do then you're never finished and meaning that you're never going to feel content and that's one of those things that it's a tension that we have to live in.
0: Absolutely. And, uh, but to understand that, you know, there's always more that we can do and there's things that we can strive for, but ultimately the victory has been won, the price has been paid. And that that's yeah. something we can rest in. And, and that's another, that's another dirty word for athletes, right? Rest. Like you can't, can't rest. You got to do more. But, uh,
1: uh <laughs> I've got such a rant about that, that I'll save all of these people. <laughs>
0: Well, we'll miss that one, I'm sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll just say that, like, God is the one who created the Sabbath, and Mm -hmm. we need to rest. And um, you will hit diminishing returns in everything that you do if you don't have a day of rest. And, um, you know, Sabbath and rest, it isn't the absence of activity, it's just spirit led activities that are nourishing. And I think, especially for athletes, um, I know this is true for me. Like I struggle with resting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's man, it's like nails on a chalkboard for me because I'm like, man, I, just the world that I was in in high school and college and the NFL. It's dude, we're gonna go, man. Like I, I want to win. Like I love winning and I hate losing. So I'm gonna do whatever I have to do. And so you're telling me you want me to go 24 hours of just i do not even like doing what i just did there yeah that was, was four like... seconds and i hated it <laughs> it's but we need it and yeah. and it's one of those things that um if you don't do it our pastor man he had this unbelievable sermon he was talking about uh the ten commandments and then he used he shared some story about um how basically in the ten commandments it talks about how you need to obey the sabbath right next to not murdering people like murder don't work for a day don't commit (laughs) adultery it's all next to each other Mm -hmm. and so in God's mind like there is a weight to that Mm -hmm. and in people who work on the Sabbath um, and the Sabbath is just whatever day you want it to be it isn't like you have to do it on Sunday God's not legalistic like that um This, where was I going with that? I had something so good. The point is, is that God will honor the Sabbath. And if we are finding ourselves not taking a Sabbath, uh, this is what I was going to say, is that it's motivated out of fear. And I don't really trust God. And that's what God is after. Like he wants us to trust him on that seventh day. um, and, And that's what God's trying to change is our hearts.
0: Amen. That's, that's awesome. I mean, that's, that's exactly spot on there. And feeling like we have to work and overcome because he can't bridge that gap or he can't supply on the day that we rest. Yeah. A lack of trust. That's good. Um, as someone, you know, you mentioned, you kind of rededicated your life in 2009, 2010 coming into the league. Um, what ways for, for a business that's so competitive at that level, to be able to surround yourself and find fellow believers, what did that look like for you from a standpoint of going into a new locker room and knowing that, you know, you, you, that your identity was, or at least you were striving to have your identity be in Christ at that point um, and, and juggling that. But to, to find people to surround yourself with that were that were fellow Christians and that were fellow believers, what did that look like for you? How did you navigate that in a, in a place that, I mean on the roster that, that, you know, there are people coming for your spot. You were going for theirs, but you yeah, I'd to to find that. How, how'd that look for you? And, and just some tips as people, as we get kids, you know, going from high school onto college campuses and, and trying to navigate that. Um, yeah.
1: Um, I felt like God rescued me big mm-hmm. time. My rookie year I was living in a studio apartment with a, a place that was written month to month. Because I I really didn't think that I was going to last very long, um, and then the next year we had a new CBA and the NFL locked all the players out, and so um, I actually ended up moving in with uh, our head coach Pete Carroll's assistant, uh, who was a younger guy. He was about my age, and he was living with two other guys, and they were all young life leaders in a community in in Seattle. And that was probably the most significant thing that happened for me um, because I needed a life outside of football. I needed a community outside of the community that I was trying to reach because if you're trying to get like all your buddies um, in the same group of people that you're trying to minister to, like you're just gonna become them. Yeah. And um, you're gonna feel really, really alone. And you're not gonna feel like you have the strength to, to do the right thing um, when you wanna belong, like when you wanna be a part of the group. Like all of us were created to belong. We were created for community. And when we don't have community, it makes us go crazy. Like quarantine right now is destroying some people, like legit, because we're not designed to be alone. And so because I had a life outside of football that wasn't like all X's and O's, it's like, I would go, I would get to work at about 7:30. I'd leave about three 30 or four. And then I'd go straight to the high school, um, and Mercer Island, Washington. And man, I'm like leading young life and I'm taking kids to camp and we're having campaigners at my house. We're having young life club at my house. We were having like hundred kids a week coming through my house. And it gave me perspective that, like, there really is more to life. And, um, like, as much as, like, it was great for those kids. And, like, I know it was awesome for those kids. Like, getting to go have Bible study in the Seahawks locker room was, like, pretty legit. (laughs) Um, Even more so, like, it was good for me because it helped me realize, like, man, when football feels hard and I feel like a failure... There's so much more going on here and the impact that I make in here to help others is filling my soul enough to kind of tolerate how hard football is right now. So finding your community outside of the people that you're trying to reach, um, because anytime that you're like, Hey man, like, I want to tell you about, you know, what God's done in my life. I also want you to be my friend. Yeah. (laughs) You need to be solid. And that that doesn't mean that um, you're always going to feel solid, but you need to have people that are, are sending you out so that when somebody's like, dude, I think you're an idiot, that it doesn't blow you apart.
0: No, that's a good word, especially, like you said, in a locker room and coming in and being like, you want to be friends to them, but you want to be solid. And I think that's where you can then begin to shame your, like, I'm supposed to be the one that's strong, but yet I just did what they did. Why did I go do that? And yeah, that's like that battle. And I, I mean, I remember that being in college where people would look to, hey, will you pray for us? And then like the next night, it's like, I'm hanging out with all these guys somewhere I know I shouldn't be, but yet I want them because they're my brother. Oh. And, and that balance is so hard. So I think that was super wise, what you said, having a community outside of that space. That yeah. You- and be safe and share that's that's so good so um appreciate that
1: yeah yeah that was a big one for me for sure
0: right and i think sometimes when you're in that you feel like you're the only one being that way like i say i'm a christian and they'll look to me to lead a bible study on thursday night but yet am i the only one being hypocritical and i think that's a constant struggle um, for Christians especially in a place where you know like you said there's this longing to to belong and we're all one and that team that team idea where well because they're doing it I need to do it too um yeah it's just something hard but i want to um kind of circle back to kind of how what we started talking about um in that that documentary that you guys made the making of a champion and that's the timing that it came out. And then you said at the end of that year, you know, you were sitting there and you're like, when is it going to sink in? Where's my worth? But the things that you guys talked about in that video, so perfectly aligned with that feeling that came after and just kind of tell us a little bit more about how that came to be, um, being able, I think is unique too, that you had coaches and players alike, you know, sharing in that. Um, and we'll link that too as well. So people can see it if they haven't, but that idea that it's just so neat to me to know the timeline of it, that that, yeah. happened it and then that feeling after that season. So.
1: Yeah, man. Um, when I think back on that experience, it's, uh, it's very surreal. So um, this was 2013. I, um, I was speaking at a summer camp and while I was at that camp, I found out that the Seahawks had just signed another long snapper and that uh, that I was going to have to be competing, uh, basically competing for my job. And it's like, man, it's either me or him. And um, he's not the enemy. I'm not going to make him my enemy because promotion doesn't come from the east to west or to the south, but God is the judge. He sets up one and he puts down another. And man, I was speaking that verse a thousand times a day. Um, but while I was at this camp, this guy came up to me and he told me that he had helped a, a professional soccer player produce this film and they passed out a million copies of this film at um, at the World Cup, a uh, soccer player, uh, Ricky Kaká. Um, and so he's telling me this and I'm like, man, I, it would be really easy to do this. Like I got, my, one of my roommates is a videographer. I got a guy who can build a website. And so I got together with them and we put together a team of about 200 people and during training camp we spent probably like 2 weeks filming this thing yeah. and man like that was so stressful like trying to film that thing during that time because it's like my day is already like 18 hours long yeah and it's like between meetings I'm like hey Russell Wilson can you come in here for 20 minutes and let me interview you and he's like <laughs> ah yeah, because I'm you're cool but I got to go after this. (laughs) And, um, and like, I'm saying all of this stuff to the camera and like, while I'm saying all of this, I'm also competing with this guy. And like, I'm pouring a lot of money into this project. Like it was expensive to do. And it was like me and two other guys who sort of footed the bill, but like, I didn't know if I was going to make the team. And so, um, Thankfully, I ended up making the team, and uh that guy got released. And over the summer was when I felt like the Lord told me to call it the making of a champion. And we release it in October. Uh, and then that year we end up going to the Super Bowl and becoming world champions. And it's sort of this like serendipitous thing of God saying, like, I'll honor those who honor me. Um and so yeah, it was such a strange, amazing, surreal experience. And um, and like all of the things that we said in that, like we finally got it, you know, like, man, we, we won it. And um, there was a moment that I will never forget. And um, somebody came up to the front of the team meeting room um, the day we were having our exit interviews uh, after we got back from the Super Bowl. And they were like, man, unless you win two Super Bowls, you haven't done nothing. And I'm like, that's the most offensive thing I've ever heard. (laughs) Are you kidding me? It's like, well, we didn't win two Super Bowls because we didn't give the ball to Marshawn Lynch. That's another story that I'm not going to talk about. (laughs) Run the ball. Dang Uh, it, Tom Brady. Man, yeah, well, that that does lead into –
0: I, I really appreciate your time, but in the beginning of that, of your book, you talk about, you, you kind of allude to that feeling yeah. of there. And, and I would love to, to kind of wrap up today, if you got anything else to to add or share with us, but I do want you to kind of close the podcast with like that story you talk about in the beginning of just when yeah. you know, coach Pete just says, Gresh talk to us and would love for you to just close us in prayer. Um, today. We're ready, yeah. So I think that's a good, it was a good time to bring that in. Cause yeah. I, and I got to get Gresh to talk to us um, to close us in prayer today. But, yeah. so
1: Yeah. Well, I'll just share the story real quick. So, you know, we end up throwing the ball. The ball was a little bit um, not on target. And the ball gets picked off. We lose the Super Bowl. We go into the locker room. Some guys are having uh, some choice words that I won't say on this Christian podcast. <laughs> um and uh, coach says a couple words to the team, then he looks at me, he's like, okay, Gresh, talk to us, which was my cue to pray for the team. And uh, I'm like, oh God, <laughs> what do I say here? Um, I don't know, God curse the Patriots. Um, may Tom Brady lose all of his teeth so he doesn't look so handsome, I don't know. <laughs> um, and Like, I found myself struggling with something to say in that moment. And because I was trying to say something that's going to make everybody not feel so sad. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, is that we all need to just be okay with those feelings of being so sad Mm -hmm. because the moment that we try to run from whatever our feelings are, that's when we get addicted to something Mm -hmm. instead of using the internal resource of the Holy Spirit inside of us, we start going to this or this or this or this, and we plug our hearts into all these things and it's never really going to be enough. And so um, I'll just say, like, for those of you who are watching this, who may be resonating with a lot of my story about identity and sense of worth and like always looking for the next thing to kind of fill your heart, um, like God has rest for you and you don't have to be in this place of striving anymore. And it's this constant battle that we're going to have to find ourselves of being comfortable in the uncomfortable, which if you're an athlete, you get that. And so learning how to live in that tension of, I'm not who I want to be yet, but I'm not who I was. And God's not surprised with the pace of my growth. And so I don't have to be surprised either. And so um, if you resonate with that, I just want to pray for you guys. And then we're going to wrap up here. Um, Just Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would come and that you would speak to every single person who is listening to my voice. God, I pray and I declare over every single person in Jesus name, the kindness of God, the patience of God, I pray that every single one of them would be able to see themselves as you see them, that they would have fresh eyes, that they would feel a sense of completeness, that they would no longer have to look to external things to feel validated, to feel strong, to feel like they're enough, because they know that the resource of all resources, the Holy Spirit lives inside of them whenever they invite the Son of God into their life. And so if you're somebody and you've never received Jesus, I would just ask you to just pray, Jesus, I invite you into my heart. I invite you into my life. I make you king of my life. I want you to be the one who makes the decisions for me, and I will follow you. And as you do that, the Holy Spirit's going to come inside of you, and he's going to begin to lead you into all truth. He's for you. God is not against you. And you can trust that no matter where you go, you have something inside of you that can help you navigate that thing. And so if you're somebody who's felt alone, you're no longer alone. And now you're actually a part of an even greater community. And so, Lord, we just pray over every single body here and we bless them and we ask for favor on their lives and understanding of who you say that they are in Jesus name. Amen.
0: Amen. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Clint. Where can uh, people want more resources or to find your book, find you where some your kind of your, your apps and all that good stuff. So.
1: Yeah, I'm on uh, all the social media at Gresh49. You can also go to my website, clintgresham.com. And if you listen to this uh, and you get anything on my website, if you use the code FCA15, you'll get 15% off your order. Awesome. Thank you. That's
0: great. We'll be sure to as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much and uh, stay safe and stay healthy.
1: Yeah, you too. Thanks, Colton. We'll see you.